no one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filippone. Thanks for hanging out. First and Pod, Danny Parkins, Andrew Filippone coming to you all NFL offseason. Uh, we'll get back to every team every week, every game once there's news that's interesting for every week, every team, and they're actually playing games. But for now, we're going to go through some big stories. We'll be bringing on some guests in the coming weeks. But uh, how you doing? Am I booking the first guest? Are you booking the first guest? Uh, do we both? Why can't want the to- first guest be like a mutual friend so we both do minimal? Perfect. Lifting, you know? Perfect. Yeah, I like I like that. Um, and hopefully that guest will just book themselves after listening to this podcast and uh it'll be really easy so you know I love talking about like the the contract stuff and thinking about things from a general manager perspective uh in sports and Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs and Dalvin Cook it's all interesting to me what happened with the running back position this offseason Miles Sanders Got the biggest multi-year contract of any running back. David Montgomery got the second biggest. Tony Pollard joined Jacobs and Saquon as running backs off huge years who had to settle for the franchise tag. The Vikings couldn't trade Dalvin Cook for a conditional seventh-round draft pick. They had to outright release him. We could talk about any of those things individually that you want to. But as a whole, what do you think what's happened with the NFL running with the NFL running back market this offseason. What do you make of it? I think these front offices are pretty much uh they've gotten smarter, I think is what what's happened. I mean, uh look at the teams that have won Super Bowls and then look at what they were doing at running back uh for those championship runs. 40% of the last five Super Bowl champions have had Sony Michelle as their leading rusher. He was the leading rusher for the Patriots in 2018. And then he was the leading rusher in the regular season for the Rams two years ago. Now he was a first round pick, but he's considered just a pedestrian running back. Uh, Damian Williams in Kansas city, Isaiah Pacheco in Kansas city, Ronald Jones in Tampa. Leonard Fournette after he got cut in Jacksonville. No team is investing big in a running back or trading for a running back and getting rewarded for it. It's just not happening. So why would any team do it? I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, signing Delvin Cook isn't a prudent move if it's for five or six million dollars a year and that's all the guaranteed money that's in there. But you know, I think that's why the James, that's why the Bijan Robinson pick and what Detroit did with its first first round pick are still mind-boggling decisions in the big picture. Why did they invest such early picks in running backs when we see what's happening to the running back position this offseason? So I think there's a little bit more nuance to it than that. Because a rookie contract is still cheaper than if Saquon Barkley wanted $14 million per year and you're paying for the youth of the rookie contract, when in theory there's less mileage on the tires and they are more likely to stay healthy. So I don't think that 
drafting a stud running back, especially at the very end of the first round where you can use the fifth year option on him if you want it to, that's fine. Now, Gibbs at 12 or B. John Robinson at eight when there are premium positions that you could get, I'm I'm with you. But I, I think the currency of running backs now is young and cheap. So if you can get a young, cheap, good running back somewhere between the 22nd and 32nd pick in the first round and have the fifth year of control on him, I don't think that's the worst idea in the world. But the other part of it that is interesting to me, like you said, no one is reaping the benefit of it. Like Mina Kimes just had this stat today. The Niners offense before Christian McCaffrey, 21st in DVOA, 19th in expected yards per play, 10th in uh, yards per attempt, 26th in QBR. After Christian McCaffrey, first in DVOA, first in expected yards per play, second in QBR, second in yards per attempt. They made the NFC Championship game. Miles Sanders had a monster year. They made the Super Bowl. He got a, he got the biggest contract, like I said, in the offseason. They happened to lose the Super Bowl. The Niners happened to lose the NFC Championship game. But it's not like teams didn't go far that had running backs having massive seasons. And I think we both agree, no matter what you think of the Raiders or the Giants or the Cowboys even, but if Saquon Barkley doesn't sign the franchise tag and sat out the year, the Giants would be worse, just like the Raiders would be worse. So, like, they make an impact, but you don't want to commit long-term dollars to them. It's a it's a weird – like, Christian McCaffrey is everything that the Niners wanted when they paid for him and traded for him and more in terms of an impact on their team. But you could say that's few and far between, but I think that the disconnect is these guys do make a huge impact – on an individual game or an individual season, but because of the rate of injury and how much turnover there is at the position, you just can't invest long-term dollars in it. Well, that's why I don't think the Niners have won that trade yet. I mean, it looked smart for the second half of the season, but McCaffrey has a long injury history and we've seen them get to, we've seen them have explosive offenses and big rushing uh, attacks with guys like Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson in their backfield. So, yeah, I mean, it did make them in the second half of the year uh, a team that was almost unstoppable. But they didn't win a Super Bowl with it, so it hasn't worked yet. Uh, Also, to your point about young and cheap, I don't think it has to be young. I just think it has to be, for the most part, cheap. I think the team that signs Delvin Cook and now doesn't take the big contract and goes year to year with the guy, that will be a very shrewd move by whatever team does that. I have no problem with with signing a running back. I actually think I actually think there's a chance right now that the team that gets Ezekiel Elliott might end up getting a bargain on a one-year deal. The reason why I don't like the first round pick, whether it's the top 10 or the 31st pick is that why would you limit your first round pick to one contract? I don't want somebody I take in the first round to be a guy that I'm done with, best case scenario, after five years. Your first round pick is supposed to be, in my opinion, every time a second contract player. And you know when you draft a running back in the first round, even if he's great, you have to avoid the temptation of doing that, Danny. 
That's right. I think that it's it's circumstantial, right? Like if you think you're a playmaker away and you're a good team and you're drafting in the bottom third of the first round, you're making a play on we're adding an offensive player who can make an impact as a rookie in a championship window. Like it's a particular set of circumstances that like the Chiefs drafting Clyde Edwards Alaire. I didn't hate the logic of that pick at all. Now it didn't work out. So it's a it's a bad pick, but uh, I think Sony Michelle wasn't he the end of the first round for yeah the he Patriots? was but my but my point was the Rams got the same thing out of him that the team that drafted him in the first round did and they gave up a late round pick for him and that was it and then he led them in rushing the same way he led New England and it was two years later the guy was off New England's roster before his first contract was even over okay but so but so like obviously are there extremes here like Saquon Barkley being draft, drafted in the top five. Crazy, but you're saying that you would not have taken Saquon Barkley if you had the 25th pick in the draft and you were a playoff team? No, I don't think I would have. See, I think that at some point, a guy with that level of talent, like they do make a huge impact. And man, you can draft tackles and cornerbacks and nose tackles and receivers who are busts. Like there's no, people act like there's no, like, well, I didn't draft this guy who could get hurt. So I'm drafting this guy as if there's no risk in the other positions. There, there's risk everywhere in football. Yeah, but you just said it. If they dra- if you draft Saquon Barkley 25th overall and you're a running back away, you think that when you draft him. But you're saying he's got a five-year window with our team, max. That's it. That's all. I think I can find a guy in... By the way, first-round running backs have have bust potential too, just like the other positions. The sure. attrition rate is the highest. The injury rate is the highest. The career longevity is the lowest. So, I mean, how many good years did, has Saquon Barkley had as an NFL running back? Two? His yeah. first year in the – okay. So, if that's your first-round pick at 25, is that a good pick? Depends who no. else is on the board. If you only get two good years out of your first round pick and then he's gone, that's not a good pick, in my opinion. I, I, I understand that, but two of those years could be great years. And with the new rookie, with the rookie wage cut, it's not new anymore. It's just, it's not that much money. It's like a rookie, a rookie with the 25th pick in the draft. What's he making this year? Four million bucks? That's less than Miles Sanders. So you could look at it based on the draft pick or it's a salary cap sport just based on the money invested. That's less than David Montgomery. So if you got 1,500 yards of offense from a guy making $4 million, that's good return on investment in terms of money spent. You could say you could get a better premium position with the draft pick allocation, but like it's not a lot. Why the Saquon thing was crazy was because there were premium positions on the board and you're paying a lot of money for the rookie. Like it was it was inefficient both in terms of the draft pick and the money. The, I think if you do it at 25, you could say it's inefficient at the draft pick, but I think it's actually pretty efficient. I just moment. don't know of like you're saying like you're saying all this but w- what is the example of a team that took the running back in the first round and said we'll pass on a position player and it ended up working for them. The 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 uh, the the Patriots could have taken Lamar Jackson with that Sony Michelle pick. That would have been a better pick. That I mean, like, pick. 
and they scouted him and they were interested in him. I mean, that yeah, no, that would have been a better pick. I'm with you. I'm so, just saying. What, what, so, but what do you do with like if the if the Raiders just if Josh Jacobs sits the year, his replacement is eighty percent of him, ninety percent of him. What do you like? What do you think it is? Because they're, these guys are great football players. Well, there is, there is a drop-off. Sure. But, I mean, in Jacob's case, I did not look at him as that type of running back until last year. But so, he was amazing last year. Exactly. No, I know he was. He was the leading rusher in the NFL. But the year, the two years before that, he had 1,000 yards. But I thought he was just a guy that did it on volume. And I didn't look at him as a transcendent-level running back like he was last year. Yeah, it would be a loss for the Raiders. But... The thing that's good about that position is you think a guy's a loss and then you end up playing somebody who was undrafted or a late round pick and they end up being good. Maybe not as good, but there's not this gigantic drop off. Like the days of Emmett Smith holding out and the Cowboys starting the season with a losing record and be like, holy shit, we need to sign this guy or our whole season. That's over. To, that's over. Exactly. Well, and, and, and I think I, Maybe even more so than that. Like, I know Saquon's pushed back a little bit on the narrative of, like, they're going to reset the running back market. I think that's over. And I would say say this back to Mina Kimes and her tweet about the Niners. Okay, now do Carolina. Do Carolina's offensive DVOA with McCaffrey in the lineup and then without. Look at how they ran. Look at how they ran the ball. Look at the game they played against Detroit in December that ultimately probably ended up keeping the Lions out of the playoffs. I think they rushed for like 300 yards in that game. Their offense actually from a points per game and yardage standpoint was better without McCaffrey in last well, year. Well, I mean, yeah, that, 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 that is an excellent counterpoint. But clearly Shanahan knew what he was getting and was able to maximize the talent. And he made their offense awesome. With Brock Purdy and Jimmy G, because I mean those those games were split. He didn't he didn't just you know so he didn't just play with one quarterback or the other. Um, it's a I think the days of the big multi year second contract for the running back are over. That's my ultimate takeaway: is that the guys who are studs. They might get franchise tagged, but they aren't going to get five-year, $65 million, 35 guaranteed contracts. That thing's – if dude, Dalvin Cook is 27 years old, and he's coming off a 1,100-yard season, and they couldn't get a draft pick for him? I know. Like, th- that, I, that actually did surprise me, that – that there was that that it wasn't Dalvin Cook for a fifth round pick. That it was all right. You're gone for nothing. So that that to me is what I think is changing. I I don't think you're gonna not see running backs taken in the first round, or that there won't be you know relatively reasonable contracts for the second tier dudes like Sanders and Montgomery. But I think eight figure annual contracts. I don't think that's happening at that position anymore. In terms of money, Stephon Diggs bounced from Buffalo. They're all saying how much he matters, but he's a mercurial mercurial dude. I always have trouble pronouncing that word. 
How do you think this ends with Diggs and the Bills? Uh, I don't think it ends well. Uh, I I don't think the Bills. I don't think the the Bills are in a good spot right now. Uh, there seems to be. I think there's a lot of stuff there that I don't really have good answers on. Like I used to work in that market. There's a lot of good people there that cover the team, but I'm just left wondering about some of the things that happened this offseason. For example, their defensive coordinator just quit because he wanted to take a year off to better prepare himself to be a head coach. I don't get that. Like, if you're a defensive coordinator, even if you have head coach aspirations, if you think a team is very close to winning a Super Bowl, don't you want to be a part of that? Like, isn't there a mutual from the locker room and from the coaching staff? Like, we were 13 seconds away from beating Kansas City. We had a snow game go the wrong way on us. We're all in this together kind of thing. Like, that was, to me, a red flag months ago when Leslie Frazier just left. And there didn't seem to be a lot of reporting about it. He's not retiring. He's not done coaching. Um, in this Diggs thing, like he was exploding on the sidelines during the Bengals playoff game during that game that they played, I think in Detroit against Cleveland, he was unhappy or maybe it was the Thanksgiving game against Detroit. I might have it confused there, but he's gotten paid. So it's not a money thing. Allen's got stuff going on. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people I know back in Buffalo that have questions about what's going on with him in his life right now. So, well, the thing, yeah, the thing with Diggs, like because of the money, he signed four for ninety six. Like he, he's gonna make twenty five mil, twenty four and a half million dollars this year. He'd be a dead cap of forty five. Like he's he's on the team, and he's being paid very very well. Next year it's nineteen million. They can get out in 2025 for, you know, a reasonable-ish number, but it'd still be like 20 million of dead cap space. But they don't want out. They don't want to get rid of him. He's their best player. No, no, I'm I I know. I'm saying they're married to each other. Yeah. Like he's being paid like a top 10 receiver in the NFL, which he is, at least when he has a great quarterback with him and I think even otherwise he's proven to be very productive I'd probably put five or six guys ahead of him he's an unbelievable route runner he's tough he's generally available like his contract is in line with his production and his talent they need him he's got a good rapport with the quarterback they win games this feels like something weird happened so I don't like- know if he has a good rapport with the quarterback what would there not be to have? A, what, what's the issue? They have a good rapport on the field is what I mean. They, they're productive. He, Josh Allen says all of the right things about him. Like there's, to me, there's no path for this to go any other direction than Stefan Diggs playing out his prime with Josh Allen and the bills. Like he's not underpaid. They need him. They don't have a replacement. He's not going to get another bigger contract. He's, he's 30 years old like this is I don't 
whatever like little squabble you had, you got to work it out because I I don't see any path to them saying we're taking a huge step back and getting rid of you. That's doesn't not al- yeah, it doesn't always happen with guys at that position, though. I mean, look at Terrell Owens and Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia. Look at sure. AB and Ben Roethlisberger. So I'm not convinced that the quarterback and the wide receiver are kumbaya hunky-dory with each other, even though there's every reason for them to be, you know, peas in a pod. There was every reason to think Ben and AB should have been that way. They put up huge numbers together. Antonio Brown got the ball at a prolific rate, better than any wide receiver in football over a six-year period. And the guys would come to the sideline after drives and not talk to each other or get into screaming matches. So I'm not convinced that the Diggs and Josh Allen thing is copacetic. Their center, Mitch Morris, is one of the most articulate human beings I've heard in professional sports. And he did a press conference there that I think a lot of people missed this week. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I I covered Mitch in Kansas City. He's a good dude. He was awesome and pretty much said in a very eloquent way that these guys got to figure, they got to figure it out. That there's things that need resolved and fixed between these two and maybe even Diggs and the organization. And the coach's initial thoughts did not help the situation at all by saying, but when he said, I'm very concerned about well, what's right, going then he, on Then here. he came out and said it's resolved, right? He went from very concerned to resolved in, in 24 in like, hours. Yeah. And, and conflicts can get resolved. Like that. that's why it felt to me like there was some sort of like drama, some sort of blow up, some sort of like disrespect of ego or something that like blew up out of proportion because I just, where's the grass greener? And you're right, it's a diva position and cooler heads don't always prevail. But I just can't, like, he can't imagine that he's going to go play for a better quarterback. There's only you, four of those in the league. Do you think that, do you think that he would take any interest they had in Hopkins as a sign of disrespect? He's better than DeAndre Hopkins at this point. I know, but that's another mouth to feed. Yeah. I mean... Listen, the the ego of the 1% of the 1% is very tough to predict. So, like, maybe, but that's not rational. Like, if DeAndre Hopkins goes there on a two-year deal, you're, you're better than him. You've been more productive. You have a better rapport with the quarterback, like, in terms yeah. of history. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that should just make you better. You haven't won a ring. Like I, so I would, I would hope not, but I suppose anything's possible. What do you think? They're one of my, they're one of my teams that every year the Rams were one last year. Green Bay was another one. There are teams that are coming off great seasons and there's just an assumption from the, from the NFL media that that team is going to be good again the following year. I don't think Buffalo is going to win the AFC East. And I think that if they make the playoffs, it'll be as the sixth or seventh seed. I don't trust them. I like the Jets more right now. And I think I even like Miami more than them right now. I like the Jets more. I, I'm not I'm not as bullish on Miami. Like, I, I think we'll probably do some better. Well, that's because you hate Tua, as you have yeah. low-key stated on this program. 
Yeah, but I love McDaniels, so it's tough for me. Even though his passer rating was in the 100s when he played, and we saw what they looked like without him last year. Right, but he's smaller than you, so. Well, Kenny Pickett has smaller hands than me. So I'm not convinced he's great either, buddy. (laughs) I'm not sure that I want you to or Kenny Pickett quarterbacking my football team, frankly. So, yeah, we can maybe do a Bills v. Dolphins bet this year for the show. And and, and one more thing. Can you tell your Bears reporter to pipe down about fields looking like crap at at minicamp? Tell him to chill on this one, okay? Okay. I'll be sure to do that. But come on. I mean, are, ball, you, are you, ball can't be hit in the ground in seven on seven as much as it was, Pony. Okay, so are you backing off him then? You think they should have drafted Bryce Young and traded Fields? Are you, no, I are think you he's ner- going to be a superstar. Well, then don't say it. Don't then don't give any credence to ball on the ground in seven on sevens. Who cares? But I didn't see it. I put a reporter on it. Tell me what he saw. I said he was late making throws. Said he looked bad. Well, then why do you think he's still going to be a superstar if he can't get it right in June? You can't have a bad day. Mooney's not that's, out there. Claypool's not out that's there. What you, that's what you should have said back to him. Should have I said, did. shut up. Okay, good. I didn't hear any of the audio. I just saw the quote. Yeah, okay. Relax. Well, blame your radio station for that. They're the one that that put it out there and made it sound like it was like a horrific, horrendous event. You know what you got to get for tweet for clicks, man? You, you know how you know how it is. I've seen your Twitter account. <laughs> Are you saying that someone doesn't put the full context on Twitter and that they're maybe being a little bombastic on the internet? No way. Um, I've enjoyed doing these media stories with you. Okay. So the Detroit News reported that the executive producer and someone over at HBO reached out to the Lions to do – back-to-back seasons on Hard Knocks because there are only four four teams that can be forced to do Hard Knocks this year. Oh, give me – I didn't even see this. Who are the four teams? The Bears, the Commanders, the Saints, and the Jets because the rule is you can opt out if you have, like – done it in the last 10 years, have a new coach, have made the playoff in the last two years, and I think like one other criteria eliminates you. So those four, Bears, Commanders, Saints, Jets, could be forced to do it. But they've all come out either publicly or reportedly through back channels and said they don't want to do it. The Bears are one of the teams that have publicly said they don't want to do it. The Jets have publicly said they don't want to do it. I'm not positive about the Saints and the Commanders. But first of all, the Jets would be a fantastic hard knocks team. Fantastic. Aaron Rodgers, first year in New York. Sauce Gardner, complete no-brainer. It would be incredible. The Bears would also be an incredible hard knocks team. Justin Fields making the leap. They'd be a a great hard knocks team. I'm not particularly interested in the Saints or the Commanders. But I would say this. I think we can be done with hard knocks. I think shows end. It doesn't cut through anymore. We have shows that are better with their access. 
whether it's the Amazon show uh, that was in like basically like in season hard knocks. I've never watched a second of that show or the 24 seven series. Like the hard knocks was a singular thing at it. Like when it began, it felt unique, but now we know that the teams have approval of what goes out. It's very rare that anything crazy uh, gets revealed on hard knocks. You can, you know, the life cycle of it. They're going to show you the star player. They're going to show you the practice squad guy. They're going to show you the team dinner and the singing of the songs. And then Liam Neeson, or no, not Liam Neeson, Liam Schreiber is going to do the, you know, Mike Glennon beat him out by a neck. Like the corny scripted thing and open and shut case and it's over. I, I, I think we could be done with hard knocks, frankly. But last year was good. Having Dan Campbell on there, the Lions got a lot of publicity. People bought into their story, and I think that that added to their Cinderella season last year, that fans were exposed to them. They otherwise would not have been. They got to see Campbell. I know it's not totally behind the curtain because it is a sanitized uh, production, but I thought that that made the Lions – more compelling when they had a you know their best season in years so there have been a lot of years where I've maybe watched this episode of hard knocks and then got bored with it and turned it off and you know if it's the commanders or the saints I could easily see that happening but my thing is if if you just described it as it's not as all access and uncensored as it was when it started. And teams have gotten involved and have done a really good job of like, we want this, we don't want that. Then why would any team say no to it now? Like what 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 what's at risk because of being these teams exposed? are insane? Because 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 the NFL, there's a lot. Listen, it's my favorite thing in sports by far. But the things that you love can also drive you the craziest. And there are some things about the NFL that are like morally repugnant. And then there are some things about the NFL that just suck. And one of the things that sucks is they act like they got the the nuclear codes under lock and key about everything, about every injury update, about every practice thing, about every state secret. And that's why, because they're worried that you're going to, tip someone off from a formation that was shown in practice that could impact Texans dolphins in week nine on Amazon. But that's never, that's never come up with a hard knocks where they got into the team's game plan or philosophy for a season and it got exposed in the There was an out. example of when it did, but like, it, again, it was stupid, like reveal secret or something. There was, there was something. Um, but Danny, one year for that football life show on on NFL Network, cameras followed Belichick around for an entire season. I think it was the year that they lost to the Ravens. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was in 2010, maybe, or 2009. And they followed him for the entire year. So if Belichick allowed for that kind of access, I don't understand why. And look, here's what I don't get about what you're saying. So these teams have a hard have a problem with NFL league cameras or HBO cameras that are affiliated with NFL films coming in 
in doing these shows. Every team now right. has its own media division that takes you behind the curtain for their drafts, their practices. So as long as they just in- they just try they like that that's one of the reasons why people think the Bears don't want to do it because they've got Kevin Warren, the new president, the former commissioner of the Big Ten, and they think he wants to build up his own like in-house media operation and just start like an annual you know, inside the bears type of type of event, but like they control it. They're controlling HBO and hard knocks is an NFL films is a partner, but it's not controlled by the teams. Man, they're, they're scared of the light. They're scared of secrecy. They're scared of the camera catching Chad Ocho Cinco getting arrested when he goes out or uh, the coaches on the Bengals. What was it? It was Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. Like that was under- the Browns. Yeah. The Browns. Thank you. Uh, und- undermining each other. But like, the Browns, the Browns watched that and then approved for it to go into hard knocks, which is my favorite part of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Discussion that you're talking about. Yes. But like it, but, and, and those things are like misdemeanor embarrassments that like make waves on Twitter for 90 minutes and then people move on. But it still is a thing, and you could just avoid the thing. So coaches keep saying it. They go on the records like, we have no interest in being on hard knocks. So what other reason is it other than they don't want the distraction of the cameras and the potential for a piece of information to get out that they don't want out there? It's the only reason. Yeah, that's weak. It's it's terrible. Like, And so it's it's fake access. So if the show's going to be sanitized and the teams don't want to do it, it's like players getting mic'd up in, in baseball games or on golf tournaments or whatever. Like you shouldn't be forced to do it, but like the players who want to do it, they should be able to push the envelope with it. Mm-hmm. Like if a pitcher wants to be mic'd up during a fucking inning, like let's go. You know what I mean? Like I, and so I just can't believe that there's not a media savvy owner who would see some sort of benefit from it and be like, yeah, let's go. A TV show about my team? I can't believe Jerry Jones doesn't want to I do was, it every I, year. I knew you were going to say that. I mean, that's, I thought the same thing. That he he looks at this as a big TV show and entertainment at all times. And he is. And he's right. Like, what, all publicity is good publicity. Like, they're not going to embarrass an owner. So who cares if they embarrass my offensive line coach or what you know what I mean like yeah I I just I mean they were on there a few years ago it was all right it was fine they've been on multiple times yeah Yeah, they've been on they've been on multiple times going back I he doesn't say no if they can be chosen but I don't think he's stepping up to volunteer he's not gonna volunteer exactly yeah but but I think but that's my like it's just that's one of my least favorite things about the NFL is how paranoid they are when stop taking yourself so damn seriously it's just lame it's just it's it's the lamest part about the nfl do we have anything else that we want to do today what else we no do? we'll do parade of guests starting next week so parade of guests. for that all right i'm excited about that thank you to spencer ray tell a friend subscribe rate review he's andrew filiponi i'm danny parkins peace
2400 Sports is an Odyssey company.